It is hour two on this Wednesday, and that means it's time for Mark Levine and I to co-host this hour. Mark, you heard hour one. He sits in for me Wednesday's hour one. Thank you for that, my buddy there on the East Coast in D.C. I'm on the West in Los Angeles. Mark's a former legislative counsel to Democratic Congressman Barney Frank and the House Judiciary, Homeland Security, and Financial Services Committees. We co-host this hour, but we want you to join us. 8886-LESLIE is the number. That's 888-653-7543. Follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Follow Mark at Mark Levine Talk. And uh, we definitely want you to tweet us. We will incorporate your tweets throughout the hour. Happy hump day, Mark. How you doing, buddy? Happy Wednesday, Leslie. I got to tell you, when I look at um, uh, our topics today, <laughs> I'm like, I think we may disagree on one or two. Oh, I think we will, and that's okay. Uh, I, I think I think we will too, and that and that's good because then if we'll have people, you know, listening and calling in, taking your side, taking my side, they'll be I'm Team Mark, I'm Team Leslie. It'll be fun. Uh, be let's start in on something I think we're probably going to agree on, and and that's the United States um, weighing in on the decision as to whether to supply Ukraine with. Missiles. Uh, we already sp- supplied them with weaponry. This would be definitely stepping it up a notch. White House advisors are discussing options, and, and what we're talking about is lethal aid. Of course, that's been uh, talked about for days now uh, in D.C. Uh, this uh, week. What, what, what is your take on this? Some people think the United States, that, that, that this isn't a big enough fish to fry for us to get involved with. You know, why does it benefit the United States? What do you say? Well, I talked a lot about it in the first hour, and I didn't know that it was certain. I know that Ashton Carter, in his confirmation hearing, said that he supported it, but it sounded to me like uh, the White House was walking back his comments a bit. So I don't know if it'll actually happen, if you have news that I don't have, but I do support it. No, I didn't say it'll happen. I said they're discussing whether or not oh, to do it. Do you think they yeah. should? I do think they should. I, Why? I, look, I, didn't, I don't think the United States should intervene militarily or anything like that, but Ukraine is, the, as I said in the first hour, was, is the largest country in Europe uh, after Russia. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's got tens of millions of people. They're looking to the West. They're looking to democracy. And when a democratic nation is invaded, and let's all recall, Russia signed a treaty. Uh, it was a formal treaty that we signed, too. The United States, Great Britain, Russia, and Ukraine all signed a treaty in 1994 specifically saying that Russia would respect Ukraine's sovereignty. They just willy-nilly violated the treaty. Um, I, I'm glad we're doing the sanctions. The sanctions are good, but I do think we should allow Ukraine to defend itself. And the more Ukraine defends itself, the less Russia will be inclined to take more territory in Ukraine. So I do support it. Okay, but w- what about people that say, we just can't afford this financially? And we can't afford this necessarily weaponry-wise because we need these types of weapons for ourselves. Look at the climate of the world right now. We do have a worldwide war on terror, which we're a part of fighting. We can afford it. <laughs> this is actually relatively small potatoes in Washington. A few hundred million dollars uh, is is definitely something – well, I mean, we're not talking about billions. We're talking about what is really a, a really relatively paltry sum – by your, by American standards, and, and I think we should do it with NATO. I don't think we should do this alone. We should, we should join our multilateral partners. But this, to me, is an issue worth fighting for. If we don't stop it now, I'm afraid it will be a lot more expensive. If Russia starts to invade Poland or Latvia, Lithuania, one of the NATO countries, then we're talking World War III. So I, I think it's, it's a relatively small sum to stop what could be a much greater danger. 
Do you think Republicans would be on board for this? Because having a majority in the House and the Senate, they would need to sign off on this, I would imagine, because of the expenditure alone. I do think so. I, I think that it, both parties, Democrats and Republicans, are split on foreign policy. Both have uh, a more international wing, which I'm a part of, clearly. And what I would argue is a more isolationist wing. And you see it certainly in the Democratic Party between those uh, who argue the president's going too far or not going far enough. And you see the Republicans. Yeah, but do you think, but do, yeah, but Mark, just sorry to interrupt. Do you think that Democrats see this as isolationist or do you think that Democrats really just so many of them are pacifists? They just don't like anything with the word military, weapons, war uh, attached. Well, you can call it isolationism. You can call it pacifism. Uh, both are pejorative. I'm trying to find a term that isn't. Uh, but uh, there are people who say that basically we, as, as the guy said to me, I had a caller in the first hour that said we shouldn't be the world's policeman. Right. And I've always disagreed with that. I've always said if we're not the world's policeman, who is? And I don't want to be Vladimir Putin or ISIS or China. Uh, we've done good. And, and, done and, and I, I agree. But do we help, do we help everyone? And, and, and if we help everyone, um, you know, not I mean, where where does it lead if, if providing additional weaponry uh, to uh, U- Ukraine doesn't, you know, su- succeed for them, you know, end up in a success? Because there are military experts that have said I was reading stuff yesterday uh, that that stated that this is not going to be a cure all if we send uh, these, uh, you know, death like uh, weapons, these uh, uh, th- these types of missiles uh, to Ukraine. Well, we're going to we're going to take a break when we come back. Hopefully we'll have a better connection with Mark. Mark, we can't hear you very well. Your phone's going in and out. So we're going to take a break. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall in Los Angeles. He's on the West Coast. He's Mark Levine on the East Coast in uh, D.C. And we are talking Ukraine. Mark, thanks for holding and welcome back. My co-host. Oh, my pleasure. Every hour two on Wednesdays. Um, let's take some calls now and let's start it out with uh, John in Washington, line four. John, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Question or comment on this issue of Ukraine and of supplying them not just more weapons, but lethal weapons. Well, um, I remember you having an interview with a reporter. I forget his name, but he's married to Katrina Vandenhuvel from The Nation. Stephen something. Anyway, I don't know the reporter's spouses, so I I don't know who you're referring to. They're they're a famous couple. His take on the Ukraine was that the European Union gave the Ukraine a deal. Either you, you know, deal with us or with Russia, and it was all to do with finances and the, the, uh, you know, and, and Chevron went in there. And now there's these, you know, so there's lots of money to be made. From them separating from and the Soviet Union, and I think a lot of Americans, myself included, I think of the Ukraine as part of the Soviet Union. Now, the wall may have come down, but if anyone thinks that Vladimir uh, Putin is going to be Putin, right? And if he sees that, that the, the Russian Empire is disintegrating, and he feels threatened, and we arm the Ukraine, I mean... Last week it was open borders that I disagreed with you, Mark. This week it's it's picking a fight with a crazy guy when you know. Look, it's not like they can you know saw them themselves off the continent and physically move their country. They're within his sphere and they're you know they're there and we're here. Okay, Mark. In the end, well, I'll tell you, I, I more, don't more like bloodshed by, by, you know, look, they're, they're a part of Russia default. 
And wait, 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 wait. Okay, John, you gave your opinion, please. We got to be able to chat with you. Mark, go ahead, weigh in, and then and then John, please respond. I mean, Ukraine is a part of Russia. It was part of the former Soviet Union. So, by the way, our NATO allies, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, that were invaded by the Soviets back in the 40s. Uh, so, you know, so was Poland and East Germany. And you could argue, well, we shouldn't do anything to help Germany because East Germany was invaded by the Soviet Union. By the way, uh, we, were I, part, we were part of Great Britain at one time, too. That we were. But the, the point is this. Uh, even President Obama has said very clearly that the Russian invasion of Crimea is illegitimate. And Russia itself, by the way, signed a treaty with Ukraine promising Correct. to respect its sovereignty. And we signed that treaty, too, and so did Great Britain. So under international law, it's a clear violation. I don't believe you divide up the earth and say, all right, well, these, these countries belong to these countries. I, I just don't believe in that. Well, I, I, I respect your opinion. Um, I guess my, my, uh, I'm, just, I'm just flummoxed because it's, uh, you know, it's in, at the end of the, end of the day, you know, we can't afford any more wars. Oh, President Obama has crippling sanctions that have been hugely effective. Bringing I'm, I support the sanctions. But, but, uh, right? You know, I'm not arguing for a military intervention. I'm arguing for arming, letting the Ukrainian people defend themselves. Their democratically elected president came to our country and said, we need aid, we're being overrun, we're being invaded. And to me, helping them defend themselves, Biden, and I wouldn't put us, not even fake boots on the ground, no American advisors whatsoever, but giving them the weaponry they need to try to stop the invasion, I see as a very small way to defend international law and to help protect democracy. Would you also send troops to fight Boko Haram in Africa? I would not send troops to Ukraine or to Nigeria. But sure, I would help Nigeria fight. So, so Mark, you're not about troops or boots on no. the ground, but you have no, no. problem sending weapons because you feel we have plenty of them and you, and you think we have plenty of money to do this. I, I do, and I don't think it's that expensive, frankly. I heard that it would cost 1% of our budget. But in a time where not we even don't close. feed our own people, not even close we, to 1%. we have you know, home, home, homeless people, uh, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, I mean, when is the last time the seniors got a raise? Uh, and well, but I'm not but you're acting guests. like it's either it's or. Like it, I support all those things, and the Republicans aren't going to allow that. The Republicans don't support an increase in the minimum wage. The Republicans don't support uh, giving health care to all Americans. They actually want 10,000 Americans to die by removing the Affordable Care Act. I can't change any of those things. I argue against them all the time. But you're acting like us arming Ukraine is somehow preventing us from doing these things that Republicans are going to prevent no matter what we do with Ukraine. So I don't think that's a fair trade. What if we start a war with Russia? I don't want don't to start you, Aren't you worried about starting a no, no, war? No, wait a minute. John, John, wait a minute. How does supplying weapons to Ukraine end up in a declaration of war? Look, Russia may have the military might to really make a parking lot out of Ukraine. They don't have the military might to do that to us. Vladimir Putin may have an ego the size of this planet, but he's not that stupid. They're not I don't know Putin how stupid he is. or is. I know he's, he's mentally unstable, and he, you know, he may be on drugs. You know, it just I don't think he is like mentally unstable. 
I think he's a very. I don't think I don't think and, unless any of us is certified, you know, have met with him and and have uh, you know examined him, any of us I are qualified to make a diagnosis. Actions. Certainly, it's our opinion, and I think that's irrelevant. Well, I judge him by his by his actions. Well, and, that doesn't make somebody unstable because you don't agree with what they do. Or... Well, I think he's acting logically. People and committing, I definitely, I think it enters into the equation. I'm not analyzing him. I'm saying we. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And, and I feel that the thing is, it, it's been, I think he would see this as provocation and the West, uh, you know, we've, we've read, you know, the sanctions have, have, have been in effect. Let's see how, 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 how they work. We may drive them into poverty, you know, but, but just, it, it just seems like arming them and getting into this, it, it's another quagmire. That's what I fear. You know, people want to know how we won the Cold War. We largely won the Cold War not through any kind of military battle against Russia, but by arming the people around them, like West Germany and so forth, and by driving the Russian economy until it fell on its face and imploded. And in doing so, we freed Germany, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Hungary, Bulgaria. All those peoples are very, very happy that we won the Cold War. And I think Ukraine like that. Before Reagan wrecked the economy, we could afford all that nice stuff then. But now we, I don't believe we can afford to be the world's policemen. You know, we like the, still everybody, wait, wait, people. But now, when you say we can't afford, do you mean literally and, and financial, financially, or do you mean symbolically? Have you seen our? There, You're not answering my question. And there's the debt. We can't afford it physically, financially, emotionally. I, I just can know, can we can we afford to ignore as we have historically until the eleventh hour sometimes as we saw with World War Two, uh, can we ignore a leader that regardless of his level of mental stability is power hungry and will stop it and will stop it it will stop at nothing and will stop at nothing and who says. If if what happens in Ukraine, if Ukraine becomes entirely part of Russia again, not just the Crimean Peninsula, will he then stop there? Do do we do we risk that? Uh, you're, it's it just seems like it's the domino theory all over again. We have to go to Vietnam to stop the communists from and you know. Well, this is very different than Vietnam. You know what I mean? How long does a planet have anyway? Right. 50, 75 years before global warming. So you, no, so John, just so I'm clear, just so I'm clear, you, so that Mark and I are clear, you would rather ignore this and then later, if it becomes a bigger problem, address it then, and then you don't think it would cost us uh, financially, and then we wouldn't be playing the big, the big brother, savior of the world card? Maybe, maybe, but I would rather follow the founding father's advice to not get involved in foreign entanglements. Okay, okay. Th- thank you for the call, John. We've got to take a break. Mark, when we come back, we'll take more calls, and I'd love to hear uh, more opinion from you on that. We are discussing Ukraine right now. Mark Levine and I are co-hosting this in every second hour of the Hump Day edition here on the Leslie Marshall Show. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow us on Twitter at Leslie Marshall, at Mark Levine Talk for Mark. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is Mark Levine. I'm in L.A. He's in D.C. Mark, shall we take some more call? Oh, first, actually, yeah, did you have more it. to say on uh, John's kind of what, what what I'm hearing is whether it's your opinion or his opinion, because I didn't weigh in on this with my opinion, but 
uh, whether it's, uh, you, you know, your and actually I'm, I'm on your side of this one, Mark. We agree on this. But so oh, okay. whether it's our opinion or John's opinion, just, you know, saying that, you know, he speaks for them, we speak for us, whatever. They both are, in a sense, based on fear to fear of a domino effect in one way or another. Correct. I mean, because absolutely right. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Uh, anything you wanted to say based on well, that? Before I, I, we just, take some more I think calls. it's very different from Vietnam. I, I'm not advocating sending troops. I'm not advocating even sending advisors. I don't want a boot on the ground. I don't want fake boots on the ground like, you know, Obama says there are no boots on the ground in Iraq and Syria. And there are. So I, I don't mean, I mean, simply providing them with weapons. We provide NATO with weapons. I'm not saying Ukraine should join NATO. At the end of the day, this is a democratic nation that formally appealed to us for help that's being invaded and violated of international law that is poor and is trying to join in the heart of Europe. It's the largest European country uh, that's entirely in Europe. And I just think we'd be, we, we, we can make an historic way to take tens of millions of people and bring them into the democratic fold for a few hundred million dollars. I think it's a relatively small cost for, for a giant gain. And I agree with you, Leslie, that if he doesn't, we don't stop him in Donetsk and Luhansk, what's to keep him from marching on to Kiev and Moldova and then maybe even the Baltic states? I mean, I, I think this is, he is a, he's a dictator, but Russia is not as strong as it used to be. Its economy is very weak. They can't afford a, a big war in Ukraine. And if the Ukrainian people can fight back just to a stalemate, I think Putin will turn his attentions, hopefully, internally. Okay, let's take some more calls. And uh, let's go next to Paul in Washington, Line 3. Paul, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. Uh, Mark, I, I can't agree with you, my friend. I'm sorry. Um, All right. Look, when are we going to learn? When the hell are we going to learn that passing out guns is not the way to go? The last time we tried this, recall, was in Afghanistan. And weren't we arming... Al-Qaeda against the Russians, right? That's and then true. we armed, oh, that's right, Saddam Hussein, who we gave him chemical weapons that we hoped he would use on Iran, and he kind of did, but he also used them on the Kurds and the Paul, Shias in southern Iraq. Let me give you a difference. Iraq was controlled by a dictator, Saddam Hussein. In Afghanistan, it was controlled by a bunch of tribes, of which there were many different groups, including, you're absolutely right, uh, what, what became al-Qaeda. In this case, we have a democratic nation, elected president. We don't have the, either the, we don't have the dictatorship of Saddam Hussein. We don't have uh, you know, tribal, shadowy tribal figures. To me, this is a lot more like arming Britain in World War II than it is like arming Afghanistan. Mark, when we listen, when we were when we were when the Iraq War, we supposedly won the Iraq War and brought democracy to Iraq. It was an elected elected leader, and all of the weapons in Iraq fell into whose hands now? Well, I didn't support, I didn't okay? support the it's war. It's the in Iraq. same play all over again. It's just like look at it's it's not as a. It, the whole mentality seems to be the only thing that can stop a bad country with guns is a good country with guns. And then the other thing I want to know is, how do you know that once we put all these arms into uh, 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 Ukraine, Crimea, that these people share all the same interests that we do? And, and, that it'll, and, and, this, and then, okay, it's a stalemate, but for how long? You see, history, every, time the, every day the sun comes up, you see? So the history isn't just, oh, yeah, well, there's a stalemate. Okay, now let's go get some coffee. You see, the, the thing is, it's well, a actually, there thing. is. I mean, if you look at the Cold War, for 50 years there was a stalemate. 
and we went and got coffee. I would, you know, you probably would have disagreed with President Kennedy uh, sending food aid to Berlin. I'm sure you would have disagreed with President Truman helping Greece and Turkey. You probably would have disagreed with us helping Great Britain prior to formally declaring war in, in World War II. I think when you've got a a, a a vibrant democracy, not something we create like we did in Iraq, uh, but people who are in the heart of Europe and are surrounded by our allies. I, I think that at the end of the day, this is a decision that, that I'm willing to make and I support. Okay, well, the only problem I have with people who, who make that sort of retort and comparing, I would, have, yeah, I would have disagreed with this, that, and the other thing that turned out well, is that now you're saying that this is the same situation. How is this different from Berlin? How is it different? Will you tell me how it's the same? Sure. Uh, we, there, there was a treaty that we signed with Russia and Ukraine that formally said in writing that Russia would respect every inch of Ukraine's sovereignty. In 1994, Great Britain signed the treaty, too. Okay? To me, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is no different from Hitler's Anschluss or, or the Czech Republic. And listen, Neville Chamberlain, the prime minister of Great well, Britain... Well, I disagree with you. I, 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 I understand what you're saying regarding... Uh, you know, Hitler trying to take over, you know, mass territory as he did, unfortunately, successfully. Um, I, I, I don't see the genocide coming uh, from no, Vladimir no, 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 Putin. No, 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 I'm toward. not saying it's genocide. I'm not saying it's genocide. But the reason I gave the example of Austria and, and Czechoslovakia, not Poland, is that Hitler said in Czechoslovakia, he said there are German-speaking Czechs in the Sudetenland, which is this area of the Czech Republic that is, is borders Germany. And there were certainly German-speaking Czechs there, and he said, well, they want to be part of Germany, and the world should just give it to me. Now, actually, there was no treaty between Germany and the Czech Republic, so when the world gave up that area to Hitler, I would argue that that was less of, of an invasion of international law than Putin, who basically said, screw your treaty. The word I write isn't worth the page it's written on. United States, Ukraine, and Great Britain, I'm just going to invade and violate the treaty. I would argue that action, interna- by international law standards, was worse than Hitler's in- and, and, and you know something, Paul, Paul what is uh, actually very interesting to me is you and our previous caller, John, uh, to me, I under I would more so understand this reaction if, if Mark were suggesting, and if the United States were even considering, which they are not, sending our military. It's almost like we're sending them a gift. Only this gift is a weapon. We're already sending weapons. The weapons that we're sending... We're, we're basically upping the game from where we are. Should we stop what we're doing now? Are you saying completely, uh, you know, uh, cut, cut loose? And do we really want to do that? Because if we do look historically, let me spin it a different way. Instead of uh, looking at, you know, Berlin or even a Hitler, uh, you know, back, uh, you know, prior to and what then became a World War II, let's look at a country like Afghanistan. Let's look at people like Osama bin Laden who were once our ally and on our side, and who we broke our promise to, who we turned our back on, and who we walked away from. The more people we help, the more allies. The more allies, the stronger we are when we're fighting uh, the type of enemy like ISIS well, in a different capacity, make, don't you think? my point. You're actually make, So once we, once we arm uh, these people in, uh, in Ukraine, Crimea then uh, we're forever obligated to them, and we don't know how... I don't think we're forever obligated. I think, as a matter of fact, they're kind of obligated to us, Paul. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) 
These things, that's what I was trying to say. These, are di- these situations are dynamic. The other thing is I want to ask, Mark, when you bring up treaties, okay, now I don't know how tre- I don't. I've never signed a treaty, so I don't know, but sometimes contracts have in them things that say, and should the contract be breached, the prescription is this. And so why does it every time that, uh, and, and also I would point out, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, one after another, U.N. resolutions against Iraq, yet you didn't support the Iraq war, did you? Just because those resolutions were violated, the prescription wasn't unilateral invasion. No, right? I, I, I didn't support it, and, and I'm not arguing, of course, for invasion of Iraq or, or, or the Ukraine. Well, I'm arguing that people should have a right to defend themselves. Uh, and if we, if we have to help them doing that, I, I'm fine with that. But this is, this is not a United Nations resolution, which, let's face it, many of them are routinely ignored. This is a specific country signing. Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons. In fact, one of the things we're doing by this is we're encouraging every nation to become a nuclear nation. If we don't help Ukraine, basically the lesson is the only way you can ever defend yourself is to get nuclear weapons, because even if the great powers promise to leave you alone if you give up your nuclear weapons, it's not true. We're going to invade anyway. Okay, then let me move my last piece then. We, we always talk about how we just, we just can't have uh, some rogue nation giving a, a nuclear weapon to a terrorist group but, you see, that's the kind of setup we always have, is that we're the ones who are the big weapons. And, and that's a concern, too. Well, that's a concern if this type of weaponry gets into the wrong hands. And, and honestly, it is a valid concern when we, when we look at what's happened not only with Mexico and certainly with ISIS and other terrorist organizations uh, that get weapons from others that we have held, whether it be in Iraq or Afghanistan, or it could even be with the Ukraine. Good enough. None of these issues are, are easy or, or, or slam dunk. But I do believe that if we don't stop – I argued a year ago that if we don't do something about Crimea, Vladimir Putin's going to take eastern Ukraine. He's now taking eastern Ukraine, and I'm going to make my next argument. If we don't arm Ukraine now, he's going to take the middle of Ukraine. And then I'm going to make the argument that if we don't stop him, he's going to take the rest of Ukraine. And I, I, I fear. I'm with you there. That's my. Pre- that I, I think learn from history, and Hitler is a very good example of that. If you, if we had well, stopped him earlier, maybe it wouldn't have been the, uh, you know, invasion and annexation of Austria, Poland, my, France, Italy, and the attempt of doing so in well, England, was, and his, his desire to do a, it throughout a, the world. A lot of that was a more complicated than that, Leslie. But let me ask Mark one more question. Yeah. Mark, do you, do you concur with the Republicans that Ronald Reagan won the Cold War? I think American presidents won the Cold War, beginning with Harry Truman, continuing with John F. Kennedy. I think Reagan played a positive role in that regard. I was strongly opposed to his domestic policies, but I, I do think he, he was right to stand up to, to Russia. And I would argue that uh, Jimmy Carter in Afghanistan, you could argue. I would say that virtually all the American presidents, from Truman through George Bush Sr., won the Cold War. And that includes Reagan, but certainly not him alone. Well, you see... When I was in high school, I did research on Russia, and this was back in the mid-'70s. So what I found was essentially Russia was already broke Eight years before Ronald Reagan ever took office. Right, right. No, they were yeah, but, but, but wait, guys, guys, I want to I weigh in on the, the Reagan thing, okay? Um, you know, you have, to, you have to look at things, and of course, uh, you know, there's history, there's fact, but there's also interpretation of history, right, which is, is pretty subjective. You know, did the Soviet Union collapse solely because of external pressures? We have to look at. Uh, Did the Cold War end uh, solely because of the collapse of the Soviet Union? Um, We we can't ignore 
uh, the ending of the Cold War was based on a negotiated settlement, and that settlement benefited both sides. And if it hadn't, there wouldn't have been an end to the Cold War. I mean, if Mikhail Gorbachev uh, did not want to uh, end uh, communist rule and, uh, you know, uh, maneuver the power there, then, then it wouldn't have happened. So, I mean, you know, some might say it's more Gorby than it was Ronnie. Well, perhaps, but, you know, we toss around the, the, uh, the, the phrase Cold War, and I would encourage everybody to actually read the book that was written by the man that coined the phrase Cold War, Walter Littman, who wrote in 1947 his book called Cold War. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you, I'd Paul. recommend reading George Kennan on containment, because I think he was right. And all of this has nothing to do with Ronald Reagan. I uh, recommend you read my book that has nothing to do with this. I haven't <laughs> written And I haven't written it yet. I don't have one. I'm jealous of everybody who's written books I haven't read. It. Mark, have you written a book yet? I haven't, but when I do, it'll be called Bagels, Grits, and Quiche. But I haven't written it yet. I was going to say, you and I should write a book together, and we'd have two covers. What mine should say, what yours should say, and do that thing where you flip the, the back and the front of both the cover. Oh, we could on- do that. Ooh. We could do that. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That'd be interesting. Um, everybody's going to go steal our ideas now, right? Uh, we're we, we'd agree your... on domestic policy, though. That'd be boring. <laughs> we'll be back. Don't go away. And we're back on Leslie Marshall. He is Mark Levine. Mark, let's take some more calls. Does that sound good? Okay. Ron in New Mexico, Line 3, joining us. Ron, happy hump day. What's your take? Thank you, Leslie. Um, I, I think this is the worst thing that could possibly happen because civilian populations are trapped in in a, um, you know, even in World War II, they could get out of the way uh, of major movements. And so this area has seen, it's an invasion corridor, the Ukraine, and it's seen this for thousands of years. The That's the worst thing is what's happening to the civilians. But equal to that is that arms, we're placing arms in the hands of people whose grandparents ran the death camps. They ran Treblinka and other death camps all over the Ukraine for the Nazis. Do we want to arm them? I mean, it's, it's insane. Mark? Well, let me, first of all, I, I don't think it's fair to say the civilians could escape World War II, given that uh, tens of millions of, of civilians were murdered. So I, I wouldn't well, say no, that. no, wait a minute. They moved, civilian populations had a chance to get out of the way of these major things, but Poroshenko no, no, is uh, shelling were, were, cities. Were, were sent by trains to death camps where they were gassed. So I don't think they had a chance to get out of the way. But that, well, the Ukrainians ran Treblinka and some of the other death you're, camps. You're absolutely right that there were um, some Ukrainians who, who joined with the Nazis. In fact, i got to tell you, I'm a well, former Nazi hunter, and uh, one of the people I prosecuted was a Ukrainian man uh, who joined with the Nazis and, and went into the death Yeah, camps. yeah, yeah, the but let, you haven't Ron, 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 one of our strongest allies right now is Germany is Germany (laughs) and and hello Germany was you know the you know a country that turned their backs and constantly said they were following orders or they or they didn't know I mean the list just goes on another country although although taken over they willingly handed over their Jews the French 
Um, and, uh, and although they did it, you know, it took a, a longer time. And, and of course, Italy. I mean, Italy had Mussolini, who, who was Hitler's buddy and who, who, Indeed, who agreed were... with this and who was a fascist himself. Yeah. Indeed, there were terrible crimes committed in World War II. But what II. I'm saying is all three of those countries are now allies. This is 2015, and I'm not uh, saying that we shouldn't remember our history and remember the Holocaust and remember the horrors, but the people fighting in Ukraine are the grandchildren or great-grandchildren exactly. of some of those people, and they should not be held responsible for their ancestors' crimes. Well, a lot of them... Because if that's the case, the we should all be lined up and shot for what some of our relatives did to the Native Americans. Or slavery, for that matter. Yes. There's no comparison that's like apples and oranges. Well, you made the comparison. The, huh? the point is that 70 years ago, you can't blame today's... The Indian Wars, I mean, comparing what's happening, Poroshenko uh, shelling cities indiscriminately. He's not shelling cities indiscriminately. He He's been shelling... Poroshenko is... Cities. No. Luhansk. The Russians have no, would never shell their own. And, and, and by the way, wait, wait, Ron, by the way, if you're concerned about the Ukrainians' treatment toward the Jews, the Russians didn't love the Jews. They just <laughs> hated sure. the Germans more than they loved the Jews. And by the way, they persecuted Jews before and after World War II. Talk about how many Russian Jews came to the United States just a few decades ago, escaping the anti-Semitism, escaping the anti-religious a communistic rule of the former Soviet Union, please. So I'm the only Jew that talks out against this war? No, no, but I haven't really heard many people talking out it based on, you know, I mean, as I, I, I understand Mark's, Mark's the Jew too, but and Mark, I know maybe right. the Jewishness will come into uh, to, to play when we talk about Iran. If we have uh, time, we'll see what happens in the next hour, but... I mean, I don't think this is. I don't think this is. I don't think this is a time that we hold a whole group of people who are really just trying to be free and independent. They're being squeezed, indeed, they are because. And we're supposed to sit back and watch it like fireworks. Could I just say one thing? Absolutely. Most of the cities, the hospitals, and the infrastructure in the area that where this is occurring were built. It was built by the Russians after World War II. And uh, it was their equivalent of a Marshall Plan. And so everything, all of their investiture and their infrastructure is being trashed by this uh, armed group that have been armed by the U.S. And you, they're, you could make the same they're argument Ukrainian for, fascists. You could make the same argument for East Germany, for Poland, for Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, Romania, and Hungary, all of which had Soviet hospitals and so forth built in their countries, but they'd rather be free democracies. And you know what? They're doing really well today. All of those countries are doing very well today. Much better we're than not, being under the iron. We're not talking about how well they're doing. We're talking about how horrible this is for the people in the Ukraine. Well, it's only horrible because They're Russia's trapped. invaded. They're <laughs> trapped in a in a war zone and with indiscriminate shelling. Well, Once they the are in that war zone, but it's remember, a war you crime in process. <laughs> We're going to contribute to let, Let's make it worse. And then Russia invaded. If Russia had not invaded, the people there would be just fine. It's that simple. They were protecting their own citizens, the Russian-speaking Russians. It wasn't I mean, their right, citizens. Look, this is not far from the Battle of Kursk. It's not that far from Stalingrad. Huge uh, movements of military went on. Ron, we're not area. cutting you off because we don't agree with you. We're cutting you off because we're out of time in the hour. But I do appreciate you calling, and I hope you will again. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired, and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. 
Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.